my soul, bless God the Lord, and all that in me is, be stirred up his holy name to magnify and bless. psalm for today is the Psalm 37, as we read through the Psalms every Sabbath morning. Let us hear God's word, verse 1 
Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. <coughs> Verse 37. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Amen. We'll end the reading at verse 40. Let's bow together in prayer <coughs> as we pray today. Our thoughts are very much with her sister, Maud Graham. Maud was taken into hospital on Friday, and yesterday there was a very big decline in her health. And so the family are sitting with her at this present time, and our thoughts are, are with them. Let's all pray. Our God and our Father, we come to your house today to worship the living God to rejoice in Christ, our Redeemer, to make much of him, to fellowship together with those of like precious faith, to enjoy the fellowship of the saints of God on earth, to come to sing the praises of God that we might magnify your name and think upon these things that are spiritual and eternal. And we come for the hearing of your word. And Lord, we pray that you'll bless this day and you'll bless this service in which we gather and enable us to worship God in spirit and in truth. We pray for the testimony that we will hear later in the meeting that your blessing will be upon that also and your servant who has come to give it. Remember our dear sister Maud at this time in her illness and weakness. Lord, make her bed in sickness. Surround her with your love and your compassion. And be with the family who are sitting with her just now. Thank thee for the, the many long years that you've given to your child. Thank thee for her faithfulness and her love for the Savior, love for God's work. And in these times when she needs the Lord perhaps more than ever, 
We pray that Jesus himself will draw near and go with her. Think of our brother Peter and her sister Dorothy who have been in hospital this past week. That you'll remember them for good and strengthen them also. And we pray that you'll bless this day. We think of the mission that will commence tonight in the school at Dalriada. We look to the Lord as the preparation has been made, the invitations distributed, our seasons of prayer held, that the Lord now will come and pour his spirit upon this time of gospel preaching and gather in from Balamoni and the regions round about men and women to hear your word, create an interest in their heart for the gospel. We pray that thou will give us not only power with God, but power with man and persuasion with them, that as we seek to, in the next two weeks, invite, encourage, even compel others to come in, that the Lord will be in what we do and make our invitations and our appeals very powerful and effectual in the hearts and give us persuasion with man that they might come and sit and listen to your word. Make it a saving time. We praise thee for the power of the gospel. Indeed, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And Lord, we go forward in your name. We go forward in your means because you have given the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so, Lord, as we stand night by night to proclaim Christ and him crucified, we pray that you will be merciful to us and make it a great mission, a time of the Holy Ghost when he moves in the hearts of men and women and young people. Remember tomorrow night also the special meeting in the martyrs when students will graduate, when young men will be licensed for the ministry. We pray that you'll make that a very special time. We think of our own students from this house. We pray that you'll bless both of them. Tomorrow night, be with them, stand with them, encourage them. We thank you for David and for DePanker. We thank you for these years of study at the Whitfield College of the Bible. And now, Lord, as they come to this important moment in their experience, bless them and open up the doors before them according to your plan and your purpose. We pray for all who mourn today. We think especially of Johnny and Claire with us this morning, that you'll bless them in their grief and sorrow. We thank you for grace that has been given, and we know that your word tells us that he giveth more grace. May this be proved over and over again in the coming weeks and months. We praise thee today that standing somewhere in the shadow we find Jesus, and he is the one who cares and understands. And so continue with us now and Bless us in this meeting, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll sing together 215. Once I was dead in sin, and hope within me died. But now I'm dead to sin, with Jesus crucified. And can it be that he loved me, and gave himself for me? It's maybe not one of the best-known hymns, but I think we should know it here in Balamoni. Let's sing it unto the Lord, and rejoice in the great truth that Christ loved me and he gave himself for me. Let's rise and sing.
be seated. I think the warm goes without saying, <clears throat> as we give a warm word of welcome, good to see all who have come to the house of God, and even though the temperatures outside are not what they were during the week, it's still very um, warm and clammy, but good to see you in God's house. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. If you're joining us online, we're glad to have you, whatever uh, media that you're using, whether it is Sermon Audio, Facebook, or YouTube, we're glad to have you. And just maybe to say to you that this meeting, as far as the broadcast is concerned, will be shorter uh, because we have a special testimony that will not be broadcast today. So just remember that if we go uh, offline earlier, I'm going to preach a short sermon. My wife says that's impossible, but it's not impossible. I'll preach a short sermon today and uh, we will have the testimony following, but it will be offline. Now today is special for us because we start our mission in Dalriada School, and that's at 7 o'clock. And we want to encourage God's people to get to the time of prayer. If you listen to the video this morning, it was an appeal to pray. And it's an appeal from this pastor, it's an appeal from the oversight of this church. Let's come and pray together. And we sometimes quote that saying, if there's much prayer, there's much blessing. If there's little prayer, there's little blessing. And we want to saturate this meet, these meetings, this mission in prayer. 6.30 is the time. There's a room allocated for us. You'll be directed that way when you arrive uh, into, I think it's the library. And then the John Armstrong Hall is the, the meeting place. Continue to share uh, on social media the invitation that others will see this and uh, come along, of course, yourself. Now, I want to thank those who were involved in the Mission Preparation Week. A lot of work has gone into the mission in many ways, but this week, as far as the church is concerned, we met five nights, two nights for outreach, three nights for prayer, and many of you were able to get to those evenings and participate. This is all part of serving the Lord in the home congregation. We begin in Jerusalem, and then we can go a little bit further, but this is our Jerusalem, and I want to thank you for your effort made, for getting out to the nights of inviting others along by way of invitation and also the seasons of prayer. May God be pleased to do or to bring blessing and to do what pleases him at this mission time. The mission, of course, continues then uh, Monday to Friday, 8 o'clock each night, and uh, we have various singers coming along. I want to thank Diane for organizing this. We appreciate her help uh, at the mission time doing this. The Hebron Choir will sing this evening. Rebecca Park will sing tomorrow night. Pastor Philip Bowles, Tuesday night, the Word of Truth, Wednesday night. Hebron Choir back with us on Thursday night. And the Reverend and Mrs. Marcus Leckie will be singing on Friday night. In the morning, the Hebron Tots meets at 10 o'clock. Tomorrow night is the Whitfield College graduation service in the Martyrs Memorial at 8 o'clock. Our moderator, Reverend Murray, will be the preacher. And do remember David McCauley and Dupanger Nandi, two of our own members who will be graduating tomorrow night. I feel very exercised to be there, so I was to preach every night at the mission, but tomorrow night you're in for a special treat. My friend and colleague, the Reverend John Gray, is coming to the, to the school to preach the word uh, to allow me to go to Belfast for the special graduation service. 
Next Lord's Day begins with the prayer meeting, 8 o'clock. Sunday school at 10.30, Bible class quarter to 11. And Phil is doing a series of messages this month, What Every Christian Ought to Know. And the subject next Lord's Day is What Every Christian Ought to Know About Believers' Baptism. So glad to be at the meeting last night and to have a little part in it as well as two of the young Ukrainian ladies were baptized, Anastasia and Anita. And it was just a lovely night to be with our Ukrainian friends. And we trust that the Lord will bless these young girls as they go on with the Lord. Remember the worship service, 12 noon, we'll be here to preach, God willing, the gospel mission then at 7 o'clock in Dalriada, preceded by prayer. I want to keep this live before the congregation. Special meeting, the 15th of October, when Courtney Harris will be with us. As I've told you, he was a German Jew, born in Germany, coming up to the time of the Second World War, the Holocaust, the persecution of the Jews. And as a little boy, he was placed in an orphanage by his mother for safety to deliver him from the Nazis. But they began to persecute the orphanages. And then the United Kingdom had a special uh, program called Kinder Transport to get children out of Germany, Jewish children. 10,000 of them were brought to the United Kingdom. And Courtney, a little boy of five, was on the last train that came here. Grew up, learned English, was converted at 15, became a preacher of the word. And for over 60 years, he's been doing just that. He's coming over from England to give his testimony and to be with us for a few days. And we look forward to that. There is a rally against RSE. Callum Webster from the Christian Institute will be the speaker. This is on Saturday the 30th of September at 7. And the venue is the Martyrs Memorial. So we'll keep this live before you get it into your diary and plan to be there. Please continue to pray for the sake of the church. Maud is standing top of the list there. He was in hospital and in great need at this time. Won't you remember all the work that has started back for the new term? Sunday school, Bible class, Hebron Tots, the school and sunbeams and the gospel mission as it begins today for the next two weeks. And the school's ministry mentioned on Thursday night that uh, schools have opened up to us this term. So far, we're waiting to hear from one or two others, but uh, 12 schools have opened up Ballamoney Independent Christian School. You'd expect to get in there. Uh, the William Pinkerton Primary School, Colcrow, Gary Duff, Lislagan, the Laney, Cararea, Kilmoyle, Eden, the Model, Castle Row, and Ballamoney High School. So far, 12 schools, 57 bookings, and every Friday on top of that in our Christian school. This week, just so you can keep in mind, uh, the work in the schools begin Tuesday. We will be in Dervik at the William Pinkerton Memorial Primary School, and on Friday, Kilmoyle Primary School and our own school here uh, in the church. I'd like to congratulate Hazel um, on well be reaching her significant birthday, uh, three score years and ten, if you can work that out, and it's on this Thursday. This was the open air on Saturday. Thank you for coming and standing with us as the gospel was preached. And we know there was a hearing for the word. People stopped, they listened, and some conversations were held afterwards. 
Our sister Kirsty is asking for prayer. She has now been assigned uh, with a couple of others to New Street uh, Baptist Chapel to work along with this church during her time with Crown College. So pray for her today. She's giving her testimony there tonight and she's looking to the church here to remember her. Thank you for praying for this little girl, Maruna, over in Romania. She had her surgery on Friday and she was discharged from hospital uh, yesterday and she's gone home. Please continue to pray for her recovery. Just to let you know, Vika and her family are safely returned to their home country in Ukraine. Having been with us for 16 months, our sister and her two children have gone back to their husband, her husband, and the father of this family. So pray for them as they continue to settle in. Just maybe to clarify, we told you that there's a couple of other girls who need to get out of Ukraine whose lives are in danger. Uh, we thought that their parents had been killed in the war, but there was a lady last night clarified a number of things uh, for us. These two girls have been orphan children since probably they were eight, and they have lived with a grandmother. The grandmother and the two girls really needed to get out of Ukraine because their city is being bombed every day. It's a very dangerous place to be. But the grandmother recently has had heart trouble, and she is saying to the girls, you go, I'm going to stay here in Ukraine, just finish my days, whatever way that will be. These girls are now 18, they're twin girls, and uh, just pray that the Lord will undertake for them uh, in this move. They could be with us very quickly, for it's important to get them to safety. We continue to pray for the land of Ukraine, our friends here, and those that we know that are back there. We're going to have our offering for God's work. Remember, it's Building Fund Sunday today, and we sing 383. There will never be a sweeter story, story of the Savior's love divine, love that brought him from the realms of glory just to save a sinful soul like mine. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? And I trust that it's wonderful to you personally, that you'll be able to say, wonderful it is to me.
final verse, love beyond our human comprehension. Coming back to the passage of Scripture that we have been in this past couple of weeks, this is the third time we're coming to it, and of course, uh, this is message 90, I think it is, as we're going through the Gospel of Mark, and you'll see the verses that I want you to keep before you. For sake of time, I'll not read the verses. We've read them this past couple of Sundays, so it's verse 17 to 22 particularly, that as you open your Bible, we want you to keep your eyes on that passage of Scripture. And I want to just single out a little phrase that struck my heart. And I want to speak on Christ's view of a lost soul. And it's that beautiful phrase that we have in verse 21. Jesus, beholding him, loved him. I want you to keep that in mind. And I hope in your heart, and as we come to this message, let's pray. Let's pray that God will burden us into our hearts today, that the view of Christ will become our view, the love of Christ will become our love, and the great burden that he had will become the burden that we possess, especially at this mission time. Loving God and gracious Father, we thank you for a Savior who loved, who loved the world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. And to the believer, a special love that brings us to the place that we sang about earlier, based on the great words of Paul when he said he loved me and he gave himself for me. Still our hearts for these minutes, bless the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Permit me to come back to this marvelous story of the rich young ruler. And I have this one main thought to set before you, and that is how Jesus viewed this poor, lost, religious sinner. By the grace of God, we're going to look at him through the eyes of Jesus Christ. The gospel writer Mark is the only evangelist to record this moment which should touch and challenge our hearts. These words in verse 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Just six words in our English translation. One commentator has said, the words express most vividly an earnest, tender, searching look. They seem, if it may be said reverently, to combine the divine penetration with human sympathy and compassion. And here is the all-seeing, 
all-knowing God looking into the heart of this young man that was full of covetousness and worldly desire, and yet at the same time a burden to be saved and right with God and ready for heaven. And the heart of Christ was moved with pity and concern, for Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Now, we're going to meet with many people in the pilgrimage of life, indeed, in our service for Christ. Sometimes it will be in our homes. Sometimes it will be in the busy streets. At other times, it will be in our places of employment or education, maybe in the neighborhood where we live, or even in our travels as we go to distant places on holiday or on business ventures. And there will be God-given opportunities to converse with them about the things of God, to share with them the greatest message that anyone could ever declare, and that's the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the gospel or according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And there may even be an interest expressed in those that we converse with concerning their soul and eternity, just like this young man. These individuals will come from all kinds of backgrounds. The religiously inclined, the enlightened, the sinful, the hardened, and the wayward. But the question is, how do we view them? What do we see? What are the feelings of our hearts and the concern of our souls? Do we approach anywhere near unto the feelings of Christ, this love that Jesus had in his heart? Please be challenged by our beloved Lord and Savior in this incident before us. Jesus, beholding him, loved him. I want to suggest three very quick things with you. First of all, there is the observation of Christ, Jesus beholding him. Our blessed Savior looked at him, gazed upon him, and that look was a look of deep concern and tenderness. When we look around us, do do our eyes fall upon poor sinners in all their poverty and need? And how do we look at them? How do we view them? Sometimes we don't see them at all. Isn't that right? We, we walk down a busy street, we walk through a housing estate, we attend some event, and there's people everywhere, and we just don't see them the way we ought to see them, that is, as Christians. And sometimes our look is like the Levites and the priests that we read about in the story of the Good Samaritan. And we do see them. And we see them in all their need. Remember the man that was lying at the wayside? He was stripped of everything that he had. He was beaten. He was left dying. And those two men walked by. They did see him. They saw the need that he was in. They knew that he was dying, but they walked by on the other side. And sometimes that's how we view others without Christ. We do see them. We know their need. We know they're perishing. We know they're dying. We know they're going out into a lost eternity, but we just go on happily our merry way 
and we pass them by. Oh, to have the eyes of Christ, tender, pure, desirous, concerned. Jesus saw this man in all his lost estate, dying, doomed, and soon to be damned. A hell-deserving sinner in need of God's salvation. A soul marching down the broad road that leads to destruction. Oh, what do we see? What do we see? The observation of Christ. Jesus beheld him. And Jesus says to us, I want you to see what I see. I want you to look through my eyes. How do I know that? Because there at Jacob's well, outside the city of Sychar, as the woman of Samaria, we believe, was coming towards him with the great company of the Samaritan people, Jesus saw them. He knew their need. And he said to his disciples, I want you to see what I am seeing. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. The observation of Christ. May that be our observation at the mission time. My second little point is the affection of Christ. You want to mark the words, loved him. Jesus beholding him, as he looked at him, as he viewed him, he loved him. And this is beautiful. There is a great, or a general love, which flows from the mighty heart of God towards fallen humanity. A general love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Matthew Henry he said Christ particularly loves to see young people and rich people, because these are people you don't expect. Christ particularly loves to see young people and rich people asking the way to heaven with their faces thitherward. You see, Jesus was filled with loving compassion for this man. His love was real and genuine. Even though this man was unconverted, even though this man would walk away from the presence of the Lord, Jesus beheld him and Jesus loved him. And we're not going to write anything else into the Scriptures about this man's future because we don't know about his future. We don't know whether he genuinely came to the Lord at a future point or not. So we're not going to write something in just to, to fit in our particular belief. The fact is that Jesus loved him despite the fact that he, he was rejected on this occasion and he walked away from the Lord. It was the great bishop, J.C. Ryle, who said, we must never forget that Jesus feels love and compassion for the souls of the ungodly. Without controversy, he feels a particular love for those who hear his voice and follow him. They are his sheep, given to him by the Father, and watched with a special care. They are his bride, joined to him in an everlasting covenant and dear to him as part of himself. But the heart of Jesus is a wide heart. He has abundance of pity, compassion, and tender concern, even for those who are following sin in the world. He who wept over the unbelieving Jerusalem is still the same. He would still gather into his bosom the ignorant and self-righteous, the faithless and impenitent, if they were only willing to be gathered, Matthew 23, 37. 
we may boldly tell the chief of sinners that Christ loves him. Salvation is ready for the worst of men if they will only come to Christ. If men are lost, it is not because Jesus does not love them and it is not, and is not ready to save them. His own solemn words unravel the mystery. Men love darkness rather than light. Ye will not come unto me that ye might have life. John 3, 19 and John 5 and 14. Do our eyes <clears throat> affect our hearts, men and women, as we look at fallen humanity, as we look at sinners out there, as we behold them? Does it affect us in here? What we see, does it just travel into the mind and go nowhere else, or does it go down into the depths of our soul that we get to the place where we behold people and we love them? We love them for the Lord. Does our hearts feel for the lost at this time of the mission? It was Charles Wesley who said, Enlarge, inflame, and fill my heart with boundless charity divine. So shall I all my heart exert and love them with a zeal like thine. Very quickly, the occasion of Christ. When did he speak these words? And I just draw attention to the word then. Then Jesus beholding him loved him. So we asked, when? Well, when he showed much potential, this young man. Remember, came running, came kneeling, came seeking, full of potential. I want to know the way of eternal life. Can you tell me? <clears throat> and not only does that word then point us to the immediate chapter of what has just happened, the fact that there was great potential in this young man, but also when he was just about to walk away. And Jesus knew that. Jesus was God. He knew what response this young man would have in his heart. He knew that this young man would walk away from him. But it was then, full of potential, but going to walk away without eternal life, that Jesus loved him. We think of sinners... Some of them may come, and we hope they will. In fact, we hope many of them will come to the mission and they'll show an interest and maybe even talk about the things of God. And we know people who said, you know, I, I know I need to get right with God. I know I need to be saved. But we need to love them even though they walk away. And it does break our hearts when men walk away without the Lord. I said three points. I could give you a fourth one quickly. The proclamation of Christ. Because in verse 21, Jesus beholding him loved him and he said one thing thou lackest, go thy way whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. And the simple point here is if you love someone, you will have a heart that yearns after them. If your soul is filled with concern and compassion for the eternal well-being of others, then you will talk to them about their need, about the gospel. You will not be able to refrain. Jesus beheld him. He loved him. And what did he do? He talked to him about his need and what he needed to do to sell what he had, take up the cross and follow him. And that will be reflected in us if we have the compassion of the Savior burning in our souls as well, you will feel an inner sense of responsibility and duty to tell them of Jesus 
the mighty to save. And so as we look out there today, tomorrow, for the next two weeks during the mission, upon those who know not the Lord, may we see through the eyes of Christ. May we behold them. May we love them. And may we desire to bring them to the Lord and tell them about the Savior in these days. That's the message, the burden of Christ and how he felt for that young man. Was it for me? We'll sing a verse of what we would have as our closing hymn. It's 2.13. Was it for me? For me alone. The Savior left his glorious throne. The dazzling splendors of the sky. Was it for me? He came to die. That's time to sing. Heavenly Father, bless your word, challenge us through it, help us to be like the Lord at this mission time as we behold others without Christ. May we love them and desire to see them brought to the Savior for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We're going offline now, so still glad to have our people in the church. We're so glad to have.